Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you, if you would, to go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Now, as you're going there, if you've got a place to take some notes, I, I want to I set this up to talk about two fundamental mindsets. Now, listen carefully. I believe there are two fundamental mindsets that we all develop in life and toward life. Now, regardless which one you develop, it will have a profound impact on your life. Now, let me say it again. There are two fundamental mindsets. Paul said in Romans 12 that you and I are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what I'm about to tell you is these are absolute realities that you and I have subscribed to one of these two mindsets, and it affects your life. Now, here's the first one. It's what I call the shortage mindset. Now, some people call it the scarcity. You might have heard that word. But the shortage mindset, I will never have enough. I will never have enough. I have subscribed. I'm not saying I have. I'm trying to personalize this. There are people who who subscribe to the fact that they will never have enough. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. I never have enough energy. Life is always, if you will, a day late and a dollar short. I just never, never, never. Now, I want you to listen to this, why I say it greatly affects your life. If you have that mindset, you are always overwhelmed. You are always, if you will, overspent. You are always overbooked. You always feel underappreciated. That's a shortage mindset. Now, I'm just going to go out there and say, I think most Americans subscribe to this one. I mean, you just look at them. They're always in a hurry, rushing about, always something to do. I never have time to spend with God. How do you do it, pastor? It greatly affects your life. But there's another mindset. It's another mindset. But before I set that up, I want you to listen very carefully. This one might hurt, but it's a little poem that says, said the robin to the sparrow. I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin friend, I think that it must be. They don't have a heavenly father such as cares for you and me. You see how it works? Someone once said that our soul attracts that which it secretly harbors. Our soul attracts that which it secretly harbors. I'm not asking you to respond, but I am asking the question, 
It's the shortage mindset, the mindset that you've been living in. Just never have enough. Here's the second one. I call it the surplus mindset. It's not that you never have enough. It's just that you know God has more than you could ever need. Well, that was quiet. But see, I think that's the shortage mindset. The shortage mindset always puts question in who God is. The shortage mindset always has this doubt, if you will, whether it's expressed or it's been pushed down of what can God really do. It's the people who say, well, I tried God. You never tried God, because I always say this. If you try God, you'll never come back to anything else. I'm just telling you. When you try him, oh my, you just never tried him. You might have tried church. You might have tried some form of religion. You might have thought, but I'm here to tell you, when you really try God, it it changes everything. He just changes. When you taste the goodness of God, you don't want to eat anything else. Trust me. It's who he is. See, the surplus mindset that God is more than I could ever need. I, I, many of you know I, I, I love good old quartet, country old, good down-home music. I love that stuff. And there's a group out that you may have heard of called the Gaithers. Okay, there's a couple of you might have. Anyway, I love the Gaithers. I just love the Gaithers. They have a song called I'm Rich. Here, here's how the words go. I'm rich in faith and hope and love. I got more than my share. I'll be moving to my mansion just over in glory where I'm a rightful heir. I want that to set up what I want to speak about. Do we really know whose we are? Do we really understand who this God really is? I will tell you this. It'll change the heartbeat of any election. So I'm going to vote. But Reed told you a few weeks ago, there ain't nothing going on right now in this nation that has even remotely rocked my water. Because I don't care who gets in the White House. They don't control my future. I'm rich. I'm rich. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and one of those belong to me. And anything I need, he has. And I ain't selling out to this world. I just don't get it. What is it if you gain your whole world, but you forfeit your soul? What is it about us? We don't deserve nothing. We deserve hell. And if that bothers you, that's the problem. You think it's about you. You and I deserve hell. We deserve to die. We deserve to fry. We deserve to cry. But God, in his incredible love, gave us a gift called Jesus and said, how about this? I'll take what you deserve and give you what you don't because that's how much I love you. But I I need something. I need you to trust that. I need you to let me be God. You ain't no good God. 
Folks, if we were even remotely good, we wouldn't experience the tension of the election we're going through. The exact, if you will, the election right now and all that's happening is a picture of our ability to be God. And, we, and, and the church that sits around and goes, I don't get it. And, and I think that's the rightful answer. You don't get it. You ain't got it. You might have thought you had it. Because I'm telling you, when you meet Jesus, things begin to change. I don't say that to be guilt in anyone. I say that to empower everyone. There's something about God. The church didn't get it when Jesus was back in that day. We always read the Bible like it's some history that never existed. There was a moment in time that the Savior of the world walked planet Earth. And the church didn't like it. And the church put him on a cross. Because the church didn't want to change. That was a real moment in time. But thank God for the church back then that didn't get it. Because it was the cross that would change the incredible power of his church. When God's people, you know, my dad said something and it's going to hurt what I'm going to say, but I got to say it. My dad's 82 years old and I hope you trust the fact that, that there's, a, there's wisdom in those who have walked a few more years than I. And he said, I believe this with all my heart. The greatest and most difficult mission field in our world right now is in this country. And that mission field is the average pew in every church. I said, Dad, why would you say that? It's a little hard to reach people who think they've already been reached. But Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know mine by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. They just don't quit. They just don't stop. They just fight for that bond of unity. They just love one another. They just forgive. They just keep pressed. They just, there's something different about them. When they meet me, they just can't keep looking here. They just have to keep coming here. They just, they, there's just something about them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It never demands its own way. It's quick to forgive. That's what happens when we overcome. And you'll know who my disciples are. Look for that love. You'll know them. You'll know them. It's surplus mindset. <clears throat> I'm rich in faith, hope, and love. Because <laughs> Jesus, man, I'm a billionaire. I'm a trillionaire. Stick me on Shark Tank. Psalm 23, I'm going to again read from the very first verse. I hope you see when I'm preaching, I'm smiling because this God stuff's good stuff, isn't it? I mean, I'm just telling you, it's what we, need. we don't need church. We need followers of Jesus who go out and be the church. It's just crazy what God can do. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack Nothing. Remember little Sally a few weeks ago? Lord's my shepherd. I don't want anything else. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is my... Anyway, 
He makes me lie down in green. Oh, I'm not supposed to mention that. What? S word? Is that what it is? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Come on, three words, read them with me. My cup overflows. My life overflows. There is joy in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. God has us. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else. In him, I got everything I need. And because of being in him, my life now, something transforms, something begins to happen. My cup overflows. Amen. Church, how do we experience a life of overflowing? Especially in a world that's so overwhelmed, overbooked, overcooked. And by the way, it is possible. Because my Bible says in Christ, I can do all things. The overflowing life is not even just possible. It's the way it's supposed to be when you're in Christ. When you're in Christ. And I want you to, I want you to catch that. In Christ. Not familiar with him. Not heard about him. When you're in Christ. In Christ. I want to, if you will, if you got your notes, I want to give you three unbelievable keys to stepping in to this anointing in such a way that God will do an overflow out of your life. And what I'm about to say is not anything you've not heard before. I'm just asking a question. Have you been about this? See, here's the first one. Here's the first thing. You and I, we need to discipline daily and alone time with God. You see, if you want to experience the anointing, if you want to experience the cup, the life that God purposed for you to overflow, you got to spend time with the blessed if you want the blessing. You see, how, how, do, we, how do we get the miracle of God when we don't even know the miracle worker who is God? See, we're always looking for the result of our prayer rather than just being in prayer. See, the miracle is not something you get when you pray. The miracle is the fact you get to pray. Did, it, did you catch what I just said? See, those are the words I tried that God said. You didn't try that thing. When you walk with him, when you talk with him, and he tells you you're my own, you're walking in the anointing. The miracle is happening. It's not something you get. You ready for this? It's actually something you start to give. The miracle of God is not for you to pray to keep what you got. Because the miracle of God is you've got to surrender everything you got to get what he has. See, I don't, 
I don't spend daily time with God because it's the rightful thing to do. I come to the garden alone where the dew is still on the roses. You know the song. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me, you ready for this? The greatest miracle I'll ever get. He tells me, I am his own. And the joy we share when we tarry there, there's no other the world has ever known. This morning, to walk out into the world and it's snowing, and just to spend time, the quiet with God, and I didn't want it to end. There's almost a part of me saying, God, I don't want to go to church. He's like, well, you have to. You're the pastor. <laughs> but there's just something of walking and then to know that it doesn't end. That same presence that happened this morning is the same presence I'm walking in right now. You see, that disciplined Daily time and keeping with our study, I think you'll appreciate this. I want to give you the 23rd Psalm in a 21st century version. You ready for this? The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when I'm exhausted. It leads me in deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Yea, though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideals have now become ordeals. Deadlines and approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bounds of frustration forever. Welcome to reality. There's a lot of people, that's the 23rd Psalm, isn't it? But yet Jesus said, Jesus said, if you keep company with me, if you keep company with me, you will learn to what? Live. Remember what Jesus said? I came that you might have life and life overflowing. But it doesn't happen. See, see, let me tell you what I think I fear. I'm going I'm to do a message on this someday. There, there, there's this mindset that, that God has this palm. And we know the passage in Scripture, it says, and when I'm in the palm of God's hand, nothing can snatch me. And you're right when you're in the palm. But I think what happens is, is that we like, to, we like to do something to God's hands that, that, that it doesn't work. See, when, when God sits on his throne, he sits like this. And we're to be in the palm. But we've somehow taken scripture and says, but see, God loves me so much. And it's really all about me that wherever I go, we take the palm and we do this. And somehow he's got to, you know, walk over. And wherever I go, he's going to bless me. No, 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 no. God is interested in where you walk. He wants you in the palm and let him do the walking. We're to be in the palm of his hand. We're to be in the palm of his hand. 
See, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, I want you to read it out loud with me if you would. For it is God who is able. Come on, church, let's say it again. For it is God who is able. Stop there. Who's, a, who, who's able? God. This is Paul writing. This is in the word of God. This is God's truth. For it is God who is able to bless you abundantly. This is the word overflow. It is God who wants to overflow your life. Now watch this. So that in all things, at all times, you will have all that you need. It is God who wants to overflow your life. And whatever God has for you is going to be greater than what you think you want from him or you need from him. In all things, at all times. Listen to this. This phrase, having all that you need, is the Greek word ought to carry it. I love that. Did y'all catch that? You know what it means? He ought to cure you. <laughs> He's the anointing we need that changes our life and how it gets lived. Do you know what it actually means, this word, all that you need? It means living in the perfect condition of life. Some people stop and go, is that even possible? Yes, it is. I came that you would have life, life overflowing. I don't give you plan B. I have but perfect plan A. But that plan's in me. It's not in you. This phrase, all that you need, means to live in the perfect condition of life. And when you look at it in its original language, here's what that says. When you truly understand what it means to be in Christ, you ready for this? It is then and only then that you realize I have everything I need. I can't find it. When I, watch this, I, I'll only use me. When I begin to stress, when I begin to worry, it is the Spirit of God telling me, you're not living in me. And so I confess that sin and he's faithful and just to what? Remove that sin and cleanse me and put me back in righteousness. Because I, I want to be here. I don't want to think that I can make him be here. I want to be here. I want to be here. I love this stuff. Jesus said, abide in me for a branch cannot do or produce fruit in and of itself. You and I can't produce, we can't create a life of overflow. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me, look what it says, will produce much fruit. They'll overflow, their lives will make an incredible eternal difference. God never wastes a hurt. But in him, he takes that hurt and makes it now overflow. God never wastes a pain. In him, he can turn that into harvest. Wherever you're at, wherever you've been in Christ, fruit begins to happen. Come on, amen to that? Let me give you a little secret. 
It is never that things end wrong in your life. It's that they started wrong. See, the end of your life is simply the fruit of where it all began. When you abide, abundance happens. In Christ, I gotta have that time with God. And what I've discovered is the more that I have that time with God, it just like never ends. You're not gonna like this, but there's nothing you have to do tomorrow that's more important than spending incredible time with God. If you think it's about work, then pay your bills, keep your house. But remember, eventually you won't be in the house. Someone else will own that house. And you better figure out what house you want to live in. My mortgage up there is a whole lot more important than my mortgage down here. You got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. So the first thing we have to do is we, we want to experience this life of overflow. We want that anointing. We have to have that discipline, that daily discipline time alone with God. Here's number two. We need to start displaying, this is big, we need to start displaying daily a life of gratitude. Oh my, our world really needs to see God's people happy. Would you agree? I mean, they need to see it. They need to see it. I mean, you've heard me say, you know, do I ever wake up grumpy? I'm like, no, I let her sleep, you know? And, and you've heard me say that. But all joking aside, you ready for this? It just seems there's a lot of God's people who wake up, work out, and live a grumpy life. I mean, it, it, it floors me when, when people hear something they don't like, and, and they approach me and they go, you know, I just don't agree with you, Pastor. I'm like, whoa. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know? <laughs> now, I don't say that, but I'm thinking it. You know what they're really saying? By the way, let me give you a little secret. I can only go to a church that they agree with me. That's what they're really saying. Good luck with that one. I don't even agree with me all the time, okay? So, I mean, you got problems, I got problems, trust me, okay? But listen to this very carefully. An ungrateful spirit, an ungrateful spirit is one of the most unhealthiest things that you can do to yourself. Did you know that? And talking about oxymoronic, I mean, think about ungrateful spirit. I mean, just think about that. I have the Holy Spirit and I'm ungrateful. Trust me, you got a spirit. I don't think it's the holy one, okay? Unless you're spelling whole with a H-O-L-E thing, okay? I'm just telling you, that, that just makes no sense. I mean, it's, it's oxymoronic. It's like two words that go together that shouldn't go together, like dry ice. Okay, or, or good grief, <laughs> or pretty ugly. All right, I mean, it's just, it's weird, but ungrateful spirit? Folks, listen, a life of gratitude is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. I'm gonna put this all together in just a moment. But let me pause for a moment. Let me just say a few things, and I want you to think about this for a moment. Some of the older people know exactly what I'm doing here, okay? But, but let me just place out. Indoor plumbing, Hot water, electricity. It wasn't that long ago. Those were considered luxuries. I 
When's the last time you thanked God for that? By the way, I heard a quote that was given to me, and it was an incredible quote. Listen to this very carefully. What if we woke up today with only the things we thank God for yesterday? Wow. What if today you woke up and God only gave you what you thanked him for yesterday? Wow, we can take things for granted. I can. Can you? I can easily take things for granted. But I liked a hot shower this morning. Anybody else like that? Yeah, especially after coming out you know, from the outside. I walked inside, crawled in the shower. I was like, man. And I did. I was like, praise God from whom. You know, I mean, I just like, wow. (laughs) Do you know science has proven? I, I love this. Science has proven that an attitude of gratitude is one of the most amazing things you can ever, ever foster. Now, I want to help you with this. Has anybody ever heard the word oxytocin? Okay, some of you. Okay, oxytocin is the chemical that gets released and the euphoria that you experience when a husband and wife make love. He's like, yeah, that's oxytocin. And science has proven that's the same chemical that gets released when you foster an attitude of gratitude. That's why we like being around those people, don't we? The Lord is good to me, man. He just lost your house. I'll get another one. Man, he's been all, he's just all, and he's like, but how many of you? I mean, I'm being honest. How many of you just can't wait to make a phone call to that gentleman yesterday who was like, ah, the world sucks. You suck, that sucks, everything sucks. How many of you are thinking, I can't wait to have lunch with him today? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's an S word. We have got to learn to shift our focus off our problems and on to God's provisions because the Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything else. Amen to that. How many times you heard me say in Christ, we always have more to be thankful for than we do not. If all God gives us is Jesus and we get to go to heaven, anybody with me, that's a good day. But yet I I'm convinced there's a lot of though God's people say, no, I'd rather gain the world than lose my soul. Listen to what they talk about. One of the things that God's convicted me, I shared with you last week about my driving. I can get a little impatient. And one thing God has been saying this, and I'm not kidding you. I I mean, I've been, and, and God's convicted me. He says, you know, you can walk. I, that was a game changer for me especially this morning on the way to church. I'm listening to worship music going, God, I like my car. You know and I, I really felt I heard God go, that's my boy. That's my boy. We have so much to be grateful for than we do not. That's why Paul says, give thanks in all 
circumstances. How many circumstances? Oh, look at someone right now and say, I'm thankful for you. Come on. They want to hear it. I'm thankful for you. You know, I, I think you'll love this. This is kind of a side note, but I love this story about a man who went to jail for stealing a cow. Okay, he went to jail, tried to steal a cow because their family was struggling financially and, and he couldn't feed them, so he, he tried to steal a cow. His wife was livid. So she wrote him a letter while he was in jail and said, I can't believe you would do this. In fact, I'm not just mad at you. You have no clue how you just messed everything up. You're in jail now. And I won't be able to plant the potato field because I can't plow it by myself. To which he wrote back, don't plow the field. That's where I hid the money. <laughs> A few days later, she wrote back and said, that's not true. The sheriff and all of his deputies came out and they dug up the entire field. They didn't find any money. And he says, I know, plant the potatoes. You're welcome. <laughs> Some of you later can explain that. But we always have more to be thankful for, do we not? We always do. You just got it. It's, it's an attitude. It's a perception. It's, a, it's, an, it's an advantage point. It's what you choose to look at. Either he's your shepherd or he's not. And in him, I have everything I need. And that's why I spend time with him and and just so grateful. God, you've been so, so good to me. You've been so, so good to me. Here's the third one. We need to start demonstrating. Not only do we need to discipline daily, we need to display gratitude daily. We need to start demonstrating daily a lifestyle of generosity. Like I said, I'm going to bring this all together and you'll see how this, this, this happens. See, I can't emphasize this one enough because there's nothing more important for your spiritual health than generosity. See, in fact, listen to this very carefully. A stingy lifestyle is the evidence of a shortage mindset. You hold on because you think you'll never have enough. <laughs> you, you don't get him yet. I won't help you get him. He's more than happy to bless you. See, to say that I can't give for whatever reason is to question the very power and the essence of who God is. Think about that. Whatever it is, I, I'm not talking just financially. <laughs> I'm talking about in service. I'm talking about encouragement. I'm talking about all of that. And, th and then to say, but you don't know our situation. I'm like, I, I don't need to know your situation. I don't think you know your situation. Because see, I don't know what you're going through. I'm just telling you God's bigger. And you're not seeing the blessed because you're not walking with the blessing of who he is. My Bible says, God will supply all my needs. This is what Paul said, according to his riches. Did you catch that? God, listen, if I want my needs met, I'd rather have his riches than mine. Yeah. 
Anybody else that? See, I want my kids to grow up and love Jesus, but I'd rather have them experience that father than this father. I'd rather follow that blessing than my blessing. See, the greatest gift I could ever give my kids an inheritance is the word, the father. I just want you to know Jesus because that's the game changer. I heard a pastor who took this passage out of Philippians that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and he rewrote it. I don't think what he did was wrong because here's what he said. He doesn't teach that as truth, but I think what he rewrote is great. He says to his congregation, God will supply your needs so completely that he will eliminate all your deficiencies. I just love that word. See, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Listen to this. For us to experience God's overflow, it's absolutely essential that you embrace who God is. That his love, his generosity is as natural to him as breathing is for you and I. Why are you not generous? Are you afraid you won't have enough? Which may be true, but now watch. But God is never in that position. See, his love, his giving, his anointing, his overflow is limitless. It reaches beyond any imaginable boundary. Because that's who he is. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. Think about the feeding of the 4,000. I don't think we even stop to think about that. They had nothing. Just a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread. You know the story, right? But Jesus blessed it. And what is crazy about that story is there was more left over than what he started with. That's just God's way of saying, you saw what you had. You didn't see who I am. You saw how little. I'm looking up at heaven going, 5,000, that's all we got today. They had more left over. By the way, remember the little boy with the fish and the loaves? What do you think he went through? I don't think I've heard anybody ever preach on this. He had some fish and some bread. Do you think it was pretty cool when he got home and his parents went, where'd you get all that? <laughs> Jesus loves the little children. See, I, I like to finish the story. I think Jesus picked it all up, went to the little boy and said, hey, take this home. He gets home and goes, Whoa. Mom and dad's like, what's that? And him, Tell Jesus. Talk to Jesus. I mean, think about that story. Nothing delights God more than giving to everyone everything who say, I want that. I 
want that. That what you have, God, is bigger than my want and my thoughts. Like I said, I'm going to put this together. C.S. Lewis said, when we are in Christ, there is no hunger that needs to be filled. Only a plentiness wrapped up in the desire to give. See, when we're in Christ, there's no hunger that needs to be filled. When you're in him, there's only a plentiness. And it's wrapped up that I just want to give. I just want to give. My cup just overflows. It just overflows. See, a faith that interacts like that with God, that aligns itself with the truth and walks in the trust, wow. Amazing what God can do. See, I think when it comes to God, he's not concerned about what he has. If he's concerned, and I don't know if that's the right terminology to use, I think his concern is what you believe he has. Because Jesus said, I know what I can do, but it's according to your faith. But you're never going to have that faith. I'm going to start putting it together. Unless you discipline daily to be with me. The fountain, the source of the fountain. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to invite the team out. 2 Corinthians 9, and I just want to give it this fullness now. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And I'm going to begin in the sixth verse. I want you to listen to what Paul writes to the church of Corinth. And for some of you that are going to be starting to take this New Testament survey class, I, I, will, I, I will assure you it's going to change your life. In fact, this very book that he wrote 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, most people don't even know. They're actually uh, 2 Corinthians, 4 Corinthians. We don't have the first letter that Paul wrote to the church, nor do we have the third letter. But in the letter, he actually speaks to those letters. But if you knew who Corinth was, you begin to understand so much of what Paul was teaching. And that's the power of, of unpacking and, and getting an understanding when the word of God was written and who the word of God was written and how it changes your understanding what God's trying to speak into your life today. But here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in the sixth verse. Remember this, a farmer, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You see, you must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty and plenty left over to share with others. 
As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides the seed. God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Who will produce it? He will produce it. Verse 11, yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of generosity. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Notice that. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift. It's too wonderful for words. Thank God. Thank God. See, I, I want to put this together. The antidote to being overwhelmed is living a life of overflow. See, every time I give, I will guarantee it, every time, 100%, my heart grows bigger, my faith gets stronger, and I just want to be generous more. It's crazy how it works. Jesus said in Luke 6, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out into your lap. See, the amount you give determines the amount you get back. You get to prime the pump. That's in your hands, but it all comes down to who do you believe I am. Here's the full circle. Generosity comes from gratitude. And gratitude comes from God. Thus, when you get God, everything begins to change within. You begin to develop a heart that begins to recognize just how good you have it. And in that recognition, the overflow begins to happen. See, it's, it's, it's this circle that just, it's like the snowball that just keeps rolling down the hillsides of life. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share, this overflow. Many of you know that in the morning, I go on this prayer walk, and this prayer walk has just absolutely become just, it's just something I do. It's just who I am. Do you know what's beginning to happen more and more and more and more, and I begin to see it? And this has been going on for a long time in my life, but do you know when I walk with God, I find myself very little asking Him for anything. This morning, I, I think I was a little tired, because I started my prayer and all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
I felt like I was going through the motions. I started talking and then I went, God, I don't even know how to pray. But what I do know is this. Thank you. And, and all of a sudden, this, this change again. And I just found myself thanking him and wow. And when you do start to develop that mindset. You ready for this? My dad says this. If you and I actually walked in gratitude every day, my dad says this. I don't believe you can sin. He said, Keith, in all my years, I think it's in gratitude that the sinless life is possible. Because only if I'm in gratitude, it means I'm then always in Christ. I never see what I don't have. I see, wow, what I do have. And how good he is to me and how great he is. And then my life of generosity. See, see I say that because I think there's a moment in COVID that I'm saddened. Uh, that sometimes I think we've, we, I wonder if we've been seduced by the devil in some ways. I'm not saying it's not real. Please don't hear that. I shared that last week. This is a very real thing. Many of you know we had it. But I love what one of my doctors said to me. He said, Pastor, Pastor, you and I serve a higher power than COVID. And maybe COVID, on the one hand, I think there's a spiritual war going on and the devil wants to use it for all the wrong reasons. I wonder if God can use it for all the right reasons, especially in a time where someone might lose a job. But a church who walks in Christ and is so grateful has this incredible love to be so generous to come along and say, listen, we're going to get you through. But it's going to be very hard to do that, church, when for the last three to four decades, the church hasn't been very faithful. <laughs> you don't like this sermon or what? Is that you there, Jonathan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was a mic drop. Like that was a great line. Just leave it there. But man, church, what a time to be the church. So this is walking by faith, not by fear. Yeah, we're in a very real time. It's an unprecedented time. But we serve an unprecedented God. What a time to be the church. When all that's going on, what a time to rise up because pandemics have been a part of human history. And do you know who the relief effort was? Do you know who the, the cornerstone was? Do you know who the, in the, all the end the real hospital was? And I'm not saying that in any lightness or any disrespect. It was the church. So I want to be that church. I don't know. Maybe these chairs will all be gone in the weeks ahead. I don't know. And maybe there'll be hospital beds in here. I don't know. 
But if that is to be true, so be it. But I want to be that church that comes along and says, here we are. What can we do for you? We want to wash your feet. We want to tell you about this Jesus. Folks, the greatest tragedy isn't that someone would die of COVID. The greatest tragedy is that they would die from COVID without Jesus. The greatest tragedy is that someone dies of COVID. The greatest tragedy is when someone dies of COVID without Jesus. What are we doing about that? In Christ, the heart begins to change like Christ. So we pick up our cross daily. We see that as a negative, but Jesus picked up a cross and it was on that day. Do you remember what the Bible says? Ready for this? And it was the joy set before him. He endured that cross in gratitude. He picked that up and said, I'm happy to do this because in this cross, people are going to find resurrection. They're going to find freedom and they can't find it in anyone else. They can only find it in me. They will not find it in Wall Street. They will not find it in the economy. They will not find it in the result of an election. It'll be found in Jesus. 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 An attitude of gratitude begins to well up. And it just begins to spill out. Some of you might go out to eat today. Maybe your service will be really bad so that God gives you an opportunity to overflow. Some of you on your way home may find yourself sliding off into a ditch and it'll inconvenience and cramp your life. But in that, someone pulls over and says, can I help? And instead of you going, ah, that person cut me off right in front. I've done that before. And the person went, listen, pastor, I know. Um, they cut you off, but, but you just preached about joy. <laughs> I'm like, I know, but I'm not in church right now. My car is, you know, I mean, you said, I'm saying that happens. It happens. What if an opportunity was that God is the one that allowed the car to go into the ditch because a person was going to pull up that didn't know Jesus. I don't know. I just know that my Bible says that in all things, God's working for our good. <laughs> in our good. That our lives would overflow and that grace may abound because God's not trying to get you to get something done today. God's wanting today to get something done forever. Amen to that. We have an opportunity to be Jesus today. I don't know what we're going to face. I have no clue, but I know who I'm facing it with. And I'm done, tired of living this worldly life. I'm tired of getting caught up in the world's ways. This world can never give me anything when I have the Lord as my shepherd. I don't need anything. I have everything. He will guide me. He will lead me. He will anoint me. And he wants my life to overflow. And he wants yours too. But it happens in Christ. And the change begins to happen. Amen, church? Father, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We don't need a religion. 
need to surrender. God, today, when we truly admit who we're not and some of the acts that we've tried to do, God, there's no shame in that. There's salvation in that to be able to say, God, how many times has Keith Lloyd tried to do it his way? How many times, God, have I been frustrated by all the wrong things? How many times have I got wrapped up in the world and the demands of that day and it cramped my style? God, forgive me. Forgive me. Today is a new day. It's your day. And God, I need that daily discipline just to be with you. Whatever that means, God, then I shut the television off earlier. I go to bed earlier so I can get up sooner. God, not to somehow spend five, ten minutes that I don't put that on it. God, I just want to be with you. I just want to be in you everywhere in my life that your word becomes my authority. That it becomes the lamp into my feet and the light into my path. That truth that changeth not, that truth that sets me free, that truth that tells me over and over again, I'm loved, I'm valued, I'm wanted, my life matters. God, that we would be a church that is known by its gratefulness. And they're overflowing wherever they're at. Generosity, let me, God, I want to be that. May that be our prayer, God. May that be our prayer. That you anoint our head with oil. We walk in the anointing. And our cup, our life, is overflowing. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.